So You Think You Want to Work in TV is brought to you by you. That's right. You guys support this podcast, and I rely on your donations to keep this train a-going. So please, go to so you think you want to work in TV.com, click on that upper left-hand corner where it says Donate, and make a one-time donation, or visit our Patreon and become a monthly subscriber where you will absolutely get exclusive content. So uh, become a supporter, won't you? You know you want to. Welcome. I am so excited. You know, I always open every podcast episode by saying I'm so excited, but I'm actually like extra excited for this episode because I'm just going to say this. This is a friend of mine who was an editor on The Apprentice for four seasons. So I'm just going to leave it at that. His name is Buzz. Get to know him. You're going to love this episode. And if you are a patron of the show at the $5 level and above, this bonus content is going to crack you up. It's so good. I didn't realize how great this uh, episode was going to be. And I've been asking Buzz to do the podcast for like two years. <sighs> it's amazing what a rebrand will do for your podcast. It just changes everything. So um, everyone, if you're not a patron, think about becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash so you think you want to work in TV and sign up. You sign up at any level or you can make a one-time donation by going to my website, www.soyouthinkyouwantoworkintv.com. All my socials are there now, so please follow me on those socials. I have like no Twitter followers. I haven't deactivated Daytime Justice yet because I have a few thousand there, so I want to move it over. Come on over, man. Do it. Don't be afraid to move. It just it's it's a new dawn. All right. Uh let's do this, you guys. Get to know my friend Buzz Chapman. It is a great conversation. Hey Buzz. Hi, Sharon. I'm at your house. You are. <laughs> It's so crazy. It's so crazy. I've been trying to get you to do the podcast for so long. And now I'm here. Well, I mean, listen, editors aren't known for wanting to be out there talking about things. No, no. It's uh, it's a very secret art form. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, right now tell the audience like what you do. Uh, yeah, I run creative at this production company and we, we develop TV properties and we develop digital properties and um kind of do a lot of like creative agency work like branding and it was kind of like just a hodgepodge of stuff which is sort of awesome i get to use sort of all the skills i've developed over the years in this like weird like frankenstein job so what i want to talk about okay so so but you started as an editor you thought you were going to you started as a producer yes i started as a producer at MTV MTV News. And let's talk about what we talked about off camera, which is you were at the Peterson Auto Museum right oh when Biggie God. was shot. Tell me about that. It was what actually was it like, did you, you know get a what's call? crazy? Well, it's crazy because so, yeah, I was a, an associate producer for MTV News, like right in the heart of all that crazy East all those Coast, beefs. West Coast madness. Like we were camped out at the courthouse for months for the Snoop trial, like saw like oh, the show was, right. yeah yeah no we were we the were the trial. yes we were the Shit. pool camera like when the verdict was announced like we were like had a satellite truck we were doing live hits like back in the 90s that was you know that was and it, it was a news. big deal yeah, yeah 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 we were doing the full news thing um oh my god i the stories okay anyways uh yeah and so 
when Biggie was killed, um, you know, I was the guy that they called to like me and John Norris, like run out to the Peterson Auto Museum and do the hit. And also, <clears throat> I was the guy that they called when Tupac got shot oh, shit. in Vegas. And immediately, like within hours of it happening, I was in Vegas for like a week. I don't know if you remember, but like he got shot and he was alive for like a little over a week in the Are hospital. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't die right away. He was alive for a while and then he died. So I was like there. There was a whole vigil. It's like I just think like, wow, it's because MTV News back then was like actual news. And it was like the record, like the, if it was a music thing, like MTV News was the source of record like you know what i mean like right. it was legit kurt loader tabitha soren like you know it was super legit so anyways it was kind of amazing it was a great fucking first job out of college man but yeah so i started there as in as a producer and then um left there and did, did some other stuff like movie coverage at tnt and then came back to produce a show at mtv and then that's where i started kind of like getting interested in editing okay, and sort of taught myself. And then right after <clears throat> I left that job, I got my first like solo editing job on like rock and jock bowling. <laughs> MTV's rock and jock bowling. I forgot about rock and jock. Rock and jock, baby. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And I totally got like into the whole MTV sports pipeline, which, you know, was the shit. They, well, it was like, it was MTV Sports, House of Style. Oh, there was so the much The golden age. Golden age of MTV. Oh, my God. It yeah. really was. It really, really was. And, and it's the best place in the world to have, like, learned my craft, you know? And I feel like I might be, like, part of the last generation that really got to do that. I think MTV now is a very different place. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> even think they produce a lot of stuff in-house You know anymore. what I mean? Like, it's, it's all just production different. companies. It's just very different. And yeah. the internet and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. Um, it was, man... Super fortunate. It's a great experience. Yeah, and then I learned how to edit, and then I've been editing, producing both, a little directing here and there. Yeah. So now let's talk. So you went from, this is what I was surprised about, Buzz, is like when I met you, it was Farm Club days. Yeah. Which listeners, you can listen to stories about Farm Club on the uh, bonus content. So subscribe if you haven't, yes. because it's really good shit. Um, and, uh, I was surprised when you started working in reality TV. I just thought you were going to stay in the music or that you were going to go to scripted. And this is when I, I didn't know you had moved on to reality. It was when I worked in the Lantana building. Oh this was God, like 2006. Lantana, right. And I ran Lantana. into you in the parking lot. I think you and Lacey were getting high. <laughs> Bo bonus content. More bonus, co more bonus content. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing here? And you're like, oh, I'm editing on The Apprentice. Yeah. And I was, was like, I didn't even know they did post there. Um, yes. That actually was at the, I feel like in Lantana I was doing, oh, that's right. I don't know. Anyways, yes. I went, I went to, uh, I got, somehow got hooked up with Mark Burnett and um, did like the second season of The Apprentice and the third and the fourth. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, did a, yeah, I did a bunch of shows for him. And so, the, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, that was totally accidental, you know? It was like someone called me for a job. And, you know, I mean, Back in those days, especially, and I think a lot of editors, you know, can relate to this, is like freelance hustle, baby. Like, freelance hustle. You don't necessarily, especially when you're like, I was only a couple years into editing, like, you don't say no. No. Like if someone calls you, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. And then especially like a network 
show like like all that's day. huge for you you have you to have booked a network show that early in your yeah. editing and that first that first season i got nominated for an emmy the only emmy i've ever been nominated for but like that was like that's dope. made it worth it you know the i think back on that whole period and like wow it was, it was pretty transformative but yeah <laughs> reality well, editing let's talk about working in the lantana building oh my god okay so <laughs> it's in santa monica right and I had no idea that every super, super famous, legendary human being had office space there. Yeah. It's, it, is it still? I haven't been there forever, but. Yes, because my friends are writers on a show called Siren. It's uh, on yeah. Freeform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that show? Totally. Oh, see, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they write that, and their offices are there, and they're like, oh, because I told them that Stephen Bochco died. Right. And they were like, so we're not going to see him when we go back? Because <laughs> his offices yeah, were there. Yeah, of course. I met his wife's dog. Because Larry David's office. Larry David's there. office is there. Um, who was the guy who produced? He was the executive producer of Tootsie. Mm. He was. His office was there. And, and just Todd A.O. West being there, the sound state, sound mixing, like everybody's coming through there to do ADR. Oh yeah, I've seen like, the rock. So, yeah, yeah. So Tracy Ullman. No, it's totally the place to camp out for. <laughs> yeah, and my friend Q, who's from Korea, she, you know, we would always go. Oh, where should we eat? Let's just go to the LA farm. Oh my and god, she LA it, farm. She calls it La Farm. La Farm. <laughs> Is that still there? Oh yeah. I don't go to fucking Westside anymore. I don't either. Who would? My Why would god. you want to? I mean, that's not true. I work in El Segundo, but like, I don't go like that part, like Santa Monica. My accountant's there, so I go there twice a year. Yeah, I can't. I cannot. Olympic and Bundy. The traffic is a goddamn nightmare. It's insane. Oh yeah. my God, we sound so LA. It's I, we, we are, we're <laughs> awful. So what was it like working on The Apprentice? Like what was, mm. have you ever been in an edit bay with Mark Burnett? No, no, oh, I have good. not. Yeah, it was um, a really interesting, it was unlike anything else I've ever done because MTV was very, uh, it wasn't quite as stratified in terms of like roles. So like this is the first time I'd gone someplace where it was like there were definitely like you're you're this level editor and then there's this level editor and then there's this you know what I mean? Like everybody had sort of like it was a division of labor like I had never seen before. Oh wow. Yeah. So like there were people that would just cut the um, boardroom, right? So there's the boardroom editors, right? Then there were the uh, people that would just cut I forgot how, what they called it, but the task, like when he would the come competition. Out. Well, like, when, you know when he would come out and like give oh. the task, and they all there was this whole thing, you know, they would walk out of the tr thing and bum 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 bum, and they would all get in the line, and you'd have the reaction faces. Then Trump would walk out, and everybody'd be like uh, raised eyebrow, like oh Trump's, you know, like it was a whole thing. It was a little pattern, and so there was literally one person that just did that, <laughs> and then like the rest of us would do like you know, the, the meat of the, of the story. But yeah, it was, uh, it was fascinating. Um, yeah, I don't really know like what to say. I mean, it's just, I look back on that with such sadness Yeah. because of like what I may have, like, I mean, me with hundreds of other people, but like we all kind of like helped well, <laughs> elevate I him. I mean, literally like made him look good was our job, Right. you know? And I never cut boardrooms, so I never really saw, you know, and people always ask, did you ever get to see any, like, footage of, like, him? And I, no, I mean, we, you know, by the time anything got to us editors, string out wise, like, all the fat had been cut out. So, like, we just, we didn't get all of the, we weren't watching, you know, hours and hours and hours of Raw, because, you know, it took four hours to shoot a boardroom 
You oh, know. that's wow. No, it was four hours of rolling, you know, for what ends up being 10 minutes of airtime. But, like, they would just roll and roll and roll and roll and roll. See, that's interesting because I wondered, I was like, why doesn't Buzz know if, how come we never heard Trump say any, that N-word or whatever, and now it makes sense because you guys parceled out the editing. Yeah, yeah. Totally it would, it would, uh, by the time I got it, got a bin full of footage, it had, like, been trimmed. You know, By story you, producers. Yeah, story producers or even AEs, assistant editors, you know. You think of it like a, a steak, you know, a, like a, a cutting a piece of meat off of, you know, a side of beef. Like, all that fat gets trimmed before it makes its way to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just chopping it up from there. So, yeah, I, I would never see that kind of thing anyways, you know. But I never even heard of it. Like, that's what kind of like, I never even heard about it. Yeah, because I remember when people were saying, I, it was mostly like I say people, it was Tom Arnold yeah, and yeah. then one other producer from the show. Yeah. At Brian, I think his name. Brian Bill Pruitt. Pru Bill Pruitt. I, I, we've been instant messaging on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, please, Bill, do my podcast. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I remember when CNN was blowing up your phone, like they found you. They found me. Oh, I had, I, had, I had probably 10 different news outlets from international, like around the world, calling me, texting me during the election, like, trying to find out what I might know. You know, I'm IMDB. It's not like it's secret or anything, but like right. somehow they did get my phone number. That's what I'm saying. Like how no, on well, IMDB not, it doesn't I'm, have your phone yeah, number. Yeah, and I'm not unlisted, I guess. I guess there's, you know, there's ways. They use Lexis They're journalists. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've done it. Yeah. I, I know how to do it. And if you wouldn't call me back, I would have sent you a pizza. That's what they do. They send you a pizza. They send you a gift card. They ask your neighbor to go knock on your door oh and see God. if you're home. What? Yeah, I've done it for Dr. Phil. It creeped me out. It, it actually kind of creeped me out because I was like, wow, these people just know where I'm at. But I had nothing. I didn't have anything to offer to anybody, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish I had the golden bullet. I do, too. <laughs> um, have you been abroad since Trump has been elected? I feel like you've traveled a I lot. Did. I did. I went to um, Spain and Italy and, and England last February. So like, literally like a month after he was inaugurated. Less than that, weeks, a couple of weeks after. How were you treated? Um, fine, you know, I don't, it was, I just remember when I first started traveling, Bush was, it was like, you know, after 9, 9-11, uh, but like, we had squandered all of our goodwill and stuff, so people <laughs> sort of hated us, and I literally had to walk around with like, I'm not that kind of American, like kind of stickers and Why did you fake an accent? Yeah, I can't. And go toodaloo. <laughs> toodaloo. Where are you from? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't have any issues. I didn't have any. I, I actually it was pity. I think more than anything, it was people that were that felt sorry for us, and they there was shock. I mean, true. Like I thought, y'all had it figured out. You know what I mean? It's like your friend who you think has their life completely dialed in. Like you know, we we were that person. Like the like super like had all their shit together, and then. One day there were pictures of us on the fucking internet, like right. You Found know, out we had a eating disorder on the yeah. ground, like <laughs> pissing ourselves. Like that's where we're at right now. We're that girl with her skirt above her uh, yes. waist in a gutter. Yeah, that's us right now. Like, <sighs> mm -mm. no, honey, you ain't got your shit together at all. So, Christ, pity. It's mostly pity, I guess. So your career trajectory, it, it, it's interesting because I thought that you would be. I, I thought you'd be like lead editor 
-hmm. like on a huge show and then maybe executive producer or something that you sold. Right. I, so it's interesting. I've, I was never somebody that wanted me, to. Yeah. Right, right, right. Projecting. Me, uh, projecting. Your, projecting <laughs> and assuming. No, I actually never was somebody that wanted to have his own show. I never was a developer. Like, I never. I had, like, a couple of ideas that I sort of, like, tried to push down people's throats a little bit. But, like, I was never, like, had that desire. I never, I never really wanted to show run. I had a friend who, you know, is you know, really high level executive now at a, at a network who asked me at one point, like, do you want to get in the showrunner track? You know what I mean? He was like, I will get you in there, you know? And I was like, nah, because I want, sorry to all the showrunners, but like, I, I want to get my hands dirty in a way, like not hands dirty, but like, I want to use my hands to make something mm -hmm. like in a weird way. Like editing feels very like, I just feel like I'm making something, not like managing a process. I don't want to manage like a bunch of people. I don't want to um, deal with all that politics. I mean, especially now that I'm in development for the first time, and now I see what all that is happening. Like I, it actually is crystallized in my head. Like I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't. I, I would love the like money and power and all of that that comes with it, but like I don't think. My, the quality of life I have right now, kind of doing what I'm doing is good. You know, more money, more problems. Like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds so, like, opposite of what so many people in Hollywood, I think, are, you know. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely opposite. It's just you want to collect more and more and more and more and more. And, like, and I do. Don't get me wrong. I want to continue to, like, I, the last thing I want to do is be stagnant and, like, hit a plateau. But, like, I'm not trying to be a mogul. Right. I, you know, I want to work with people who want to be moguls, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and build stuff with them. But like, I don't want to be like the guy. Right. You just have such a great, there's one thing that I, you can't teach it to people. You have such a great aesthetic. You have such a great vision. Like, you know how to make something look pretty or sexy or mm. stark or hit you know you have such a strong visual eye and, and like, you have good timing thank you and i appreciate that but like how would i how do how would i be able to use that as a sh showrunner you know what i mean because I, right. I appreciate that and i i think i've tried to foster that and build that and you know like any craft or whatever like you just try to get better and better at it but like, I don't want to not be able to use that anymore. And that's kind of the weird catch 22 or whatever that I'm in right now where it's like, and I think a lot of editors will probably relate to this. It's like, I don't like at a certain point, like, I don't want to be an editor anymore, <laughs> but then you're like, I don't want to do any of that other shit either. <laughs> like, because it's not like, I don't have the thing about editing is it's so much control, you know? And there's like, you're making so many decisions. You make more decisions probably than anybody else. You yeah. know, they're just, you don't think, most people don't think about them. But like, I say this all the time in editing, every time you see a camera change, somebody thought about exactly where that happened in that story. You know what I mean? Somebody made, like, every time that happens, every time a camera changes, that's a decision. And it, cameras change a lot in the course of a show. So it's just a lot of control that, you know, it's not like uh, power, you know? But it's creative control that I think I don't ever want to give up.
Yeah. So, I mean, like maybe directing or, you know, something more like that as opposed to um, running a show. It's really hard to tell somebody what's in your head. Yes. Like, I need you to make that thing, even with a mood board, even with showing them examples of different shows that are similar. It's really, really hard. No, I mean, it's it's it, same thing with it, working with a DP or, a edit, you know, editor or anything or graphics person like you have it in your head. You see it right in your like mind's eye. You see exactly how you want it. You see the cuts. You see the whatever. Either you do it yourself or you have to just trust the person that you've hired to do a version of it because mm-hmm. they're never it's so personal that it's never going to they're never going to do exactly what's in your head unless you sit there and tell them <laughs> every single step of the way. Which, right. You know, no creative person wants that. So I'm in the position now where I'm actually having to do that more and like give notes and, you know, this project I directed and having an editor do it. And I'm like, mm, that's not the way I planned it at all. And then stepping back and being like, OK, but it works, you know, <laughs> and like checking myself in that way and being like, okay, well, you know, giving up a little bit of that control, which is interesting. What did you direct? It, some branded content. Oh, <laughs> let's talk about branded it. Branded content. It's a new thing. Oh God. Um, yeah. Uh, it's for a potato chip company. We're working with a, um, can you say which potato chip company? Cause I love potato chips. I actually cannot. Oh say darn! It. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's because it's because it's it's not exactly. So we're collaborating with an ad agency, and uh, it's their it's their account, and uh, we're like their production arm mm. for them. And uh, so yeah, it's I can't really. Talk. But anyways, it's a it's a road trip uh, thing, and it's like two putting two 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 strangers in a car. And sending them on a road trip to like work out like two opposites, like to like ideological opposites and creating these little stops along the way that force them both to kind of question their ideologies. Yeah, exactly. Wow, interesting. And then they're sitting in a car together for hours at a time to talk it out. And it's just it's kind of interesting. It's Did it's, you shoot on GoPros? Yeah, we had five GoPros mounted in the car. Uh, five? Yeah. Wow. Angles, baby. Nice. Um and then we had one on like the follow car and uh, yeah. And then we had shot two A7S's, you know, for our scene work. Um, do you like that camera? I do. It's a good, it just, it's just solid and so good in low light. Like it's amazing. And it's just compact and easy. And you know, the 5D is such a, you know, that used to be the standard, but it's such a clunky monster now. Oh, my, first of all, did, did people, it's fucking heavy. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's heavy as fuck. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, well, I need it. No. It's, yeah. It's, the 7S it's, is great. Yeah. Um, and easy to mount and, you know, to do fun things with. So, yeah, it was, it was a fun thing. Uh, uh, but, yeah, there's so much. Uh, I had intended to edit it, but I just got too, there's too many other things going on at work. So we just had to have somebody else and she's awesome. Um, but like I said, like she's taking things a little out of order that I intended, but like, of course, like that's the same fucking thing I do as an editor. Like, but do you storyboard it before you let the editor see it? Cause it's with branded content. I would think you'd have to storyboard it for the client. Well, no, we don't really storyboard it. I mean, we had an outline, you know, of the, of, kind of the narrative as we saw it but you know we had to kind of go with the flow on this one because right. you know we're working with normal people that you know there's not 
They're not actors. They're not actors. They're not actors. And that is a challenge. It is a challenge. We got lucky. But they're not, and just for the audience, reality stars, even though they're not actors, they're fucking actors. Right, right, right. Okay, they right. know how There's to do There's a reason they're there. They didn't just get plucked. Like, they didn't get a cold call from, you know, they're not working in an office and then, somewhere. So yeah, and like, somebody didn't go, Joanne, we no, need you to come no, in for no, the no, apprentice. No, right. they were, that's, they've, they've reached their goal yeah. a lot of the time. Like, they've been trying to be a reality person for a while. So, yeah, they've yes. been auditioning for all of the reality yes. shows. Trust and, and a lot of them have studied them, so they know... They know how to behave. They know how to behave. They know how to, like... They know how they want to be perceived, which is hysterical because they have... They think they have control over that, and they, and they, they never... They have zero. Zero. Zero, zero, zero control over how... Like, you can try. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not going to happen. No. So these real people that you guys put in this car, like, that's what's challenging. Is How many times were they, like, uh... Are we supposed to talk now? Can we stop and go to the bathroom? Can I have a peanut? It, 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 I, like I said, on this particular one, we got lucky. You know, the, ca the casting process was, I think we cast it really well. Nice. You know, we cast two guys that were different, but we knew would sort of vibe with each other. Yeah. And like, they just, they couldn't stop talking. Like, oh, literally. good. And, oh, so you want to hear a complete production nightmare? Yes. Because I, 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 I didn't have to this. live it. That's yeah, why. no, exactly. Because <laughs> it literally, it is the nightmare of the digital production age. So we get back after the shoot, three days on the road. There's like 14 of us on the road. It's like the ad agency and the production crew and like a big product, uh, you know, decent sized production. We get back, assistant editor is loading the footage. She realizes like one of the folders is duplicated. She's like, the A camera for day one is is should be in this folder but it's the b camera in both folders and we're like hmm, that's weird the dit the person who's responsible for backing up all the footage in the field apparently made an error when she was backing up at the end of the first night which is a horrible like long really rough day but she backed up the same folder twice and did not back up the a camera and ended up erasing the card. So the entire A camera for the first day of a 16 hour shoot on the road, Virginia, DC, and Philly was gone. A thousand percent gone, 100%, like just gone. Just, we sent it to this data recovery place in San Francisco to try to like get it back and it was just gone. So we had to go and do reshoots. <laughs> Production insurance, baby. <laughs> That's awful. That DIT must have felt terrible. She did, she did. But, you know. I mean, accidents happen. That's exactly. And, the most know, competent people can make a fuck up. That's exactly right. And that's what I was happy about the company's attitude about the whole thing was it was obviously huge, like massive. But she came back to the reshoot. You know, we didn't like <laughs> banish her. Right. You know, and I think a lot of people would have. They would just been like taking it out on her and. People love to take a small human error yeah. and then say, that person's an idiot. Right. No, it's exactly. like, no, they're not an idiot. They're mistakes human. Mistakes happen. Yeah. And they, even if they're gigantic mistakes, expensive mistakes, it's like, but I said all that because the two guys were so happy to see each other again. <gasps> they were so happy. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was cute. Anyways, but branded content, <laughs> like, you know. So did you think you're, first of all, we didn't know branded content was going to become a thing, of course. No. But did you think that this is where you would end up being, and do you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think it was going to, you know, I, I just thought I would get on progressively bigger 
shows and get like you said like kind of become move up the chain of editor and just be like the the guy on the big network fucking show you know eventually whether it be scripted or non-scripted uh because i've done both so i just thought that was the trajectory and i wasn't in a rush and you know i was moving at a steady clip and i was fine uh but yeah i got sucked into this company and um they made me an offer i couldn't refuse basically and yeah, and I did not expect that I would be doing this kind of thing, but it does feel like the future. Yeah. People keep telling me it's the future. I don't know whether to believe it. It's just really hard because I built for 20 years working towards having a successful career in TV as we had come to know it, right? Mm -hmm. And as everybody knows, the changing landscape, like what the fuck is TV now? Like even, you know? Yeah. Like Netflix is TV, but it's not is it like you know what i mean like totally like i i refer to netflix as tv but it's not tv it's not and not not traditionally like it's not broad it's not like it's I guess not even it, hbo it's better that it's like it's like i just pick when i want to watch it and i can watch the whole season if i want to like it's just but it's still it's still content it's and still a lot content. of it a lot of it is in some ways branded so i just think branded content is sort of an eventually going to be everything <laughs> because do you, do you mind explaining branded content to the audience oh, yeah. i've never had this on the show um yeah it's so i mean digital outlets you know um or brands themselves a lot of brands are realizing that traditional ads things like commercials or no one's watching them they're no one's watching right they're through. fast forwarding them they're just tuning them out like they don't have the impact um so what a lot of companies are brands are trying to do now is to bypass the whole like they're like well if commercials aren't working why are we involved in broadcast television at all really all young kids are completely obviously on the internet they soak in all that content from youtube or whatever and it's all snippets it's all what they call snackable <laughs> like little like bite <laughs> i've never heard that it's before snackable, snackable? Mm -hmm. that's a gross word i know snackable and stackable so that like you can just kind of like put it on a vertical and drop it in there and just somebody will be like, oh, I'm going to watch three right now and then come back and watch a few more later. It's just that's the way that young people's minds, though, are working now. So it is sort of the future. Um, it's just weird because it feels like a backslide. It feels somehow going backwards. Like right. it feels like shouldn't I be going towards a bigger, shinier show, like a big, bigger production like a world of dance situation yeah like why shouldn't i be like on a big fucking marquee show instead of producing branded content for a potato chip company that like nobody's gonna see but it's really valuable to them because it it by like i said it just bypasses so they'll, they'll spend money and hire a production company to create they're becoming the network you know what i mean like right. they just want you know something to stick their name on that makes them look good and they'll distribute it themselves, you know? And um, I don't think, I mean, there's, I, I can't think of an example of anything that's really caught on, but I do think that that's where everything is headed, you know? Yeah, what do you think about, uh, do, do you find something a little bit freeing about working in branded content versus all the constraints of working in network TV? Yeah, I mean, like branded content's great in the sense that like usually they don't tell you, they give you a range, like, Oh, let's have it be five to seven minutes or but you can go as much as 10 or you know you can go as short as three like you know in tv land like it's 
twenty-one forty, like yeah. or whatever. Like you have or to 22, hit twenty-two twenty. Twenty, like you have to like twenty-three hit, ten. Right, <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. And if you're frame fucking graphics, yeah, if like you it's don't, just, if you don't understand how hard it is, is to get a show to time and have all the good when shit there's in there. a hundred. <laughs> hours of footage and you have to shave it to this like exact frame uh and still have it be good and like that was the thing as an editor like of of that kind of television i found so frustrating like the viewer at home i wish you knew how good some of this shit could be yeah. <laughs> like how good some of this like stuff that you watch is you know before it's done because of the compromises we have to make and you know, rushed reaction shots or rushed, you know, beats that, you know, you could get a lot more out of if you could just sit in there for 30 more seconds. You know, like, I don't know. It's very sad and frustrating. It, there really is a big difference. Like, it, it stay, staying on a shot for literally 10 seconds that gives your payoff so much more impact. But they would never, you can never, network will never, they'll be like, no, it just, yeah, everything has to be, the compromises that, in other words, the compromises you make, the creative compromises you have to make just to get things to time. It's it's heartbreaking. It's, yeah, it's crazy. That's why we call it killing babies. Yeah, it's killing babies. You're constantly killing babies. Like little, I had an amazing, like, here's a, I had an amazing, beautiful montage of like whatever, and it was just beautiful and artistic. And it was like, first thing gone. That's <laughs> what I even noticed as an editor. Like all the shit that I do in my first pass that I fall in love with, that I am so proud of, like, all the little things, they could be little things that I don't think anybody's going to notice. They could be like big moments. They could be complete things I've crafted out of thin air. And they're always like just gone. They're gone. Like, oh, gone. that's really nice, but yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. want it. Yeah, no, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't advance the story. Fuck you. What is the, do you do I always think that advance the story is code for people aren't screaming at each other enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, there's not enough tension. I'm like, there's not, what story? Right. These people are jackasses. No, it's, I'm so, so, yeah. and I, all those senses, like, yes, to answer your question, branded content is refreshing because there's a freedom. Like, it can be like, just like, pure kinetic imagery, you know, like fun, or it could be like this meditative, like storytelling. Like, there's a lot of different, you can forms be more, it could take. Yeah, I feel like you can be more expressive with the way that you tell the stories and in the way, like, whereas with the TV show, it's like, okay, it's docudrama. You you know that you're going to cut that a certain way right. and it's going to look a certain way right. and have a certain aesthetic. You can't go, let's do this docudrama, but like this, have it look like a, the network's going to go, get the fuck out of here. And there's fired. just much less at stake, I think, with the yeah. branded content at the end of the day. I mean, they're spending money it's on... It's more creative. Yeah, it's more creative. It's just more creative. So I, I appreciate that um, for sure. I mean, I miss doing things that people actually see. <laughs> there is yeah. something about, and I'm sure you must feel this way, like maybe that's part of why a lot of us get into the business is like you want to do something and share it with a big like a bunch of people like yeah the idea of broadcasting something to like millions of people like when i do an award show or something like the stuff that i like edit in the award show and then there are millions of people watching it you know like there's you know when i got to cut like stuff for the emmys and realized like oh my god like i used to watch this as a kid and like love the stuff that i'm working on right now and like I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, no one's watching any of the shit that I'm working on now, you know? Mm. Yeah. 
Well, uh, this has been one of the best chats oh I think I've ever had. I this. hope that's so true. I hope you're not bullshitting me. I'm not bullshitting you at all. Actually, this is brilliant. I've never done this. <laughs> I'm new. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? Buzz LA on all platforms. Oh, you're because, so uh, yes, smart. Bitch. Branded bitch. Uh, yeah. Buzz is a branded bitch. You know. That's a whole other discussion, but like, yeah, you got to brand yourself nowadays. Like, mm. if you're freelancing and the creative, like, you got to be a brand. So, Buzz LA. Buzz LA, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you, Sharon. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs>